Are you at your point where you think you've hit your bottom or maybe that there's just no way you're ever going to feel like things can change? I was like that. I really was. And I want you to know, my name is Bromo, by the way. I want you to know that there is a way out. Please join us for my podcasts. All right, it's Bromo here. There is a way out. It is uh, Tuesday, the 6th of February. There is a way out. This is my podcast. Uh, uh, my sobriety date is 2-1709. I am not an expert. I am an alcoholic. I don't have any degree or anything like that. I do have life experience. I have this podcast for one reason, one reason only for anybody out there who may think, hey, you know what, maybe I drink too much. Maybe I have a family member that does uh, or a neighbor or anybody that uh, if you choose to, to listen to these segments, you might hear something that, you know, might tell you there is a way out. And for that reason, that reason only, my strength of my podcasts are my guests. I finally got through all my sharing of all my of my stories, and that took a while. But now when I bring my guests on, uh, they're awesome. And my my guest today is actually from my old stomping grounds in San Diego. His name is David Terwilliger. Did I say that right, Dave? Yes, you did. This guy, if you don't mind me mentioning our past. I go right ahead. <laughs> he and I played Little League Baseball, and I was famous for striking him out like 16 times in a row, I believe. Isn't that right? And that's still the record out there? I'm sure it is. <laughs> I'm actually just kidding. My dad was my coach for Little League, and uh, David actually re- remembers my dad vaguely. You played for what team out there? I played for the uh, Bra- uh, the Braves, it was, yeah. Yeah, I probably should have started drinking back then after I gave up a game-winning home run and my dad threw the clipboard down in slow motion. As remember, the, remember, here's how far this home run was. You remember our field, right? Oh, yeah. Yeah. Okay. In the back of the field was a little dirt lot where people played and threw rocks at each other and stuff. So there was a street that people parked their cars and then right past the street behind the street. Okay. So there's the field. There's the fence. The mobile home park. The the scoreboard. Yes. There's the dirt lot. There's the street where people park, you know, parallel. And then there's the mobile home park. Somebody smashed a home run off of me that went over the fence, over the dirt lot, over cars, into the mobile home. And as my dad, in slow motion, threw his, my dad, the coach, threw his clipboard down, and the kid who won the game was throwing his helmet up, as I went over to the the shack, remember the shack where we got our winners and losers treats? Yep, yep. The crusty guy with about a 1,000 Little League pens on his hat said, hey, congratulations, young fella. I said, what are you talking about? And he goes, I've been here about 29 years, ding, and I think that's the longest home run I've ever seen somebody hit. What a wallop. And I said, well, I was the pitcher, but thanks. And then I took my soggy hot dog, and I got the hell out of there. I just want to give you a little. <laughs> so Dave and I played Little League back then. I don't think we ever met, but I remember the name. So you were on here. I saw your post earlier, and this is why I brought you on, because I can tell right away from your post, how proud you are. Tell everybody how many days you have sober right now. I'm going on, uh, it'll be 69 tomorrow. And I saw your tokens. They're awesome. Tokens now are given out, I believe, for 24 hours. Uh, refresh me on these, like one month, such and such, three months, and then like every, and then six months, and then every year, I think. Is that right? It's, uh, it's uh, one month. Uh, two months, three months, six, uh, six months, nine months, 
and every year after. And let me tell you something. As you progress, Dave, I think you're a lot like me. You will cherish your tokens. You may come across somebody at one point because some of the rule of thumbs in AA are, I once had a sponsor that told me you you collect three tokens. Uh, you go to like different meetings. You get three tokens from each meeting for your birthday or your six month or whatever. Mainly, I think it's for your 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 one year or your two year. You get three tokens. One is from your sponsor. One is from like a best friend, and two is from the newcomer. That's what you collect the tokens for. And uh, when you have extra tokens, which you probably will collect, the cool thing is when you come across someone that's you know thirty days sober, you might pass on yours as a gesture of hey, way to go, buddy. You know what I mean? But you always save that first one you get. As a reminder, I have mine at home, and somebody once told me, don't put them all on a keychain. It'll ruin your ignition. And I never really believe that. <laughs> but I have them all at home, and I know you do. And I'm pretty winded right now. I'm going to shut up in a second. But I saw your post, and I can relate every single second of your excitement. You just went to a 7 a.m. meeting, didn't you? I go to one every morning. Isn't that terrific? Now, I have missed a couple in the last 69 days or 68 days, but that's just because I was feeling ill, real ill, not from any kind of hangover or anything. But, you know, we, we as alcoholics, we still get ill once in a while. Oh, yeah. I hope you're feeling better, pal. Are you sure you're not still feeling sick over the time I struck you out 12 times in a row? You sure that we're, we're past that? <laughs> I'm sure one of those times I was sick. I'm going to blame it on that. Okay, so your uh, your love was alcohol, is that right? My love was alcohol. I had dabbled in my early years with cocaine a couple times and you know some other drugs, but it was just I just loved that first drink. Oh, you know it's it's hard to explain that to somebody. And and of course you know this term. We all call people normies. The normies are the people that will invite you over, and they have four beers in the refrigerator, and you ask them, why are those still there? Well, they've been there for about right. a week, a week and a half. A normie is somebody who does not feel the urge or the compulsion to drink. But go ahead. So um, uh, that that's your poison. Your, you, I hate to say that word, but that's your choice, alcohol, correct? Correct. Right. So and it was, go ahead. Well, and it was, you know... Um, I mean, it was pretty much every day up until a couple of years ago, and then I started uh, you know, like it was just getting too much, and I thought, but I'm not an alcoholic because I can stop, so I would stop for two or three days, and and uh, I'm not an alcoholic. Right. It's, but, it, that's not an easy thing to say, isn't it? And it's pretty hard to... Right. Yeah. But then... When I realized I'm an alcoholic is if you give me that one beer or that one drink, I couldn't stop. And I well, was you, off to the races. Let's uh, let's define that. What do you mean you couldn't stop? I mean, you had to have more. You <laughs> wanted more. You just did all that. Yep. You had to keep going, right? I had to keep going. Yep. There was no limit. There was no limit. And as I'm getting older... I started in the last year, I started getting the blackouts. Oh, boy. Where, where I would wake up the next morning and go, where's my wallet and where's my keys? Yeah, explain that to somebody who 
probably maybe has never heard the term blackout. That's just when you've lost all kind of consciousness and, and memory, right? You just absolutely like, yeah. you just you just think I can have another one when you've already had twelve. Yeah. And then next thing you know, you don't know where you are until you wake up. And you hear these stories where people die of alcohol poisoning, and I was pretty sure I should have died from alcohol poisoning many a times. Let me uh, run. But, some, let me run something by you real quick, and you can relate to this because it it has to do with what you just said. I remember my drinking days. I'd have a whole cooler of a six pack of Guinness and a three or four of those club martinis. I remember thinking, after getting pretty loaded, I remember looking at my cooler. With one beer left and two of those club martinis left, I remember used to, I used to think to myself, "Gosh, should I go? Should I walk over to the store and get more? I don't know if this is going to be enough." And I would always conk out with one of those drinks half drank because it always was enough. But your mind keeps telling you, "Geez, I don't know if I have enough here." You ever gone through that? Correct. Yeah. Yep. Oh yeah. Yep. Many a times. Many a times. The, the sad part is that my days were based around alcohol. So I knew that if I was going to have a couple drinks, I didn't want to drive down to the store later. So I would stack up the whole refrigerator and make sure I had enough to get me through yeah. before that two o'clock bell rang at the liquor store yeah. in California. You know, it's, it's two o'clock and other places I go and I know that there's restrictions, but I just had to make sure there was plenty of alcohol in there. Cause I knew I wasn't going to stop. Okay. You're about my age. And do you have a family? Uh, I take care of my 97, 96 year old dad. Wow. So I, I pretty much, uh, don't have a life in the sense that I have to make sure he's good. So, uh, what do I do all day? You know, other I do have a business I run, but I have my nephew that goes out in the field, and I take care of it from the house. But I could find myself sitting here drinking and still run the business, no problem. If I stay at home and and feel like I have nothing to do, then you know I'll just have a couple drinks, and it would never stop at a couple drinks. Next time you talk to your dad, ask him if he remembers the time he saw me strike you out sixteen times in a row. In Little League. Uh, he, he doesn't <laughs> remember what he did yesterday. Oh, I'm, I'm sorry. It was a stupid joke by myself. No, no, that's okay. Real, that's really amazing, though. Um, okay, do you have a wife? Uh, ex, two ex-wives. Okay. Was alcohol a and, part of the separation then, or were you drinking younger? And Tell me when you started I, drinking on a regular basis so I can get well, that Well, I, I would have to say I was probably 16 or 17. And then I knew that it was a problem when I got to be 21, 22. Yeah. And I met a girl that worked at Derweeder Stitchell who was 18, a good Christian girl. And she said, well, you got to, and I smoked some weed at that time. And, and then she said, well, you got to quit that stuff. And before you marry me. And I said, you know what, that's where I need to go in life. And so I quit for about a year, year and a half. And, well, you know, um, she decided to go out and cheat on me. And there's little triggers in life with alcohol. Yeah. And 
that just kind of triggered me to say, well, I can start drinking around the house now. And she accepted it. But, you know, life moved on, and then I began drinking. And, boy, now it gets hard to remember way back then. But, you know, eventually we had uh, we lost a child. Um, and then we had another child, and then I ended up getting divorced with her because we just knew it wouldn't work because I was too much uh, on her case about where she, where are you? What are you doing? What, you know, and just wasn't fair to her. Yeah. Right. So, so you're married now. Moved presently. on to another, what's, I'm not married now. No. Okay. But you, you told me you, there was a situation where one of your wives had said, look, look, Dave, you keep drinking. Um, it's not going to work. I'm out of here. Right. Yeah. Well, then I met my next wife. Uh, at a pizza hut, uh, and she drank, and so we used to go out and have fun for a couple years and drink, and and then end up getting married. And I drank during that, and got in the uh, building swimming pools, and I was very very good functioning alcoholic. Right. Looking back at it, and I wouldn't wake up in the morning and drink. I would go out work my eight hours. And then I'd come home and I would sit there and pop open a, a bottle or whatever and, you know, pat myself on the back. What a great day it was. Made lots of money. Yeah. And it got to the point where I was so good at it, I could wake up without a hangover the next morning and just go back out. And that's how I lived my days for many years until one day it just had to stop. She got tired of it. Well, you had your pattern down, nailed. You knew exactly how much you can take in when you. Uh, yeah. Let, um, let me ask you this real quick. When you were with the the woman that liked to drink as well, isn't that the greatest thing when you can tell yourself, "Hey, I can have as many drinks as, as possible because she likes to drink. This is all good, right?" It's yeah, kind of like your yeah. It's it's like if she's okay. It, she doesn't see anything wrong with what I'm doing, and I'm really at that it, point, it, you're thinking, I, "I don't have a problem," right? Yeah, we were both, you know, we were both happy drunk, so we didn't have the abuse or anything, um, you know, so that kind of made it seem okay. Right. Right up until the point where this person you're with, and I'm not sure if this happened to you, right up in the point where this person realizes, God, this person, this person I love or who I'm with is out drinking me by like three drinks to one. I mean, I like to drink, but this guy's overdoing it. And, you know, I'm there with you as far as a functional drunk. There are many out there. And I'll tell you what, if you're listening to this and you think to to yourself, am I a functional drunk? Here's what you can do. And maybe, Dave, you'll you'll relate to this and you'll agree with me. You can go to any Google you want. Not like there's more than one. You can go to Google and you can take a test. You can type in, do I drink too much? Or take the do I drink too much test. And they'll give you a series of questions. And many of those, if you say yes to they'll suggest that you may have a problem. You agree with me on that? Absolutely. Yeah. I took one of those, and I had I stopped taking the test after I answered almost yes to every single one of them. I'm like, screw this, because you know what? I got this figured out. Kind of like what you were saying. You had it figured out, didn't you? Yeah, well, I thought I did. Yeah, you thought you did. When did you not think you did? When did you realize, hey, maybe, uh, maybe I do drink too much? Well, we we had, I had went through my second wife and I lost another child. She was two years old, and so you know, 
I didn't start right after that. We went to counseling. Uh, it was very tough on both of us, more so on the woman, right. uh, on my ex. And, um, and I don't know. I just at some point was went back to drinking, and she didn't like that, but she really, you know, didn't have a choice because right. I was going to do it. Right. And then at some point she just said, this has got to stop. And so I, I, that's when I decided it's got to stop, and I, I quit for eight years. Oh, wow. Is that right? You yeah. quit for eight years. I quit for eight years. and, and Well, let me stop you real quick. Kid. Okay. Dave, you quit for eight years. Maybe you're not an alcoholic, right? No. Right. That's what I'm thinking. Wow. So what that, that, What turned that corner and brought you back? Um, then I decided I didn't want a life with her anymore, and I walked out because for some reason I wanted to drink. Of course. And I knew that she wouldn't allow it, and I, you know, we had, it was just tough for losing a child. We'd had another child since it turned out perfectly fine. And, yeah. But it was just a, a trigger thing that I needed something different in my life. And I unfortunately thought it was the alcohol and my dad, I'd lost my mom and my dad uh, was lonely. And I said, I'll just go move in with him for a month or two. And, and uh, that was 12 years ago. And, and that turned out to be a good thing in the sense that I was away and done. Cause I just couldn't handle my wife anymore because it was just long stories, but yeah. um, came over here and kind of found a party situation with being here and, and uh, living with him. And I could go down to a bar and meet some people and, and there I am, I'm started up again. Right. And, and then before you know it, you're back into the full circle, correct? Yep. Yep. And, and you I know, really didn't have for the first five years, I didn't have anything to worry about living here. And, uh, and then as he's now gotten older, I've had to, then I've had to stay here a lot more. And uh, then I started getting pity on myself, thinking, you know, I don't have any life. I got to sit around and watch him. My brother took off and went to Idaho. Yeah. So um, it was, you know, then I start throwing all this pity back on myself and drinking more. And, and so it got pretty much to where it was an everyday thing. And, uh, you know... Then I started to slow back down again and say, I was starting to lose people at the bar that I was friends with. And, you know, the bar scene gets old. What do you mean lose? Um, they, they were leaving. They were, I'd seen less and less of them. And, and some were dying and some were, you know, uh, just in bad situations. And the new people i really didn't, I didn't, uh, couldn't, be friend, I don't want to say couldn't be friends with, but it was a lot younger crowd. No, true. So, but but so, that's interesting what you said. So, that's very dramatic what you said, but it's true. They were dying. Some were dying. They were dying. They? Yeah. Yeah. I don't know if you remember Mark Peterson. That name sounds familiar. I may have struck him out 12 times in a row, but no. Did he? Yeah. Play, did he, Chris <laughs> Peterson. And oh, are they, they gone? Were, uh, are they gone? And then, of course, you remember Mark Lewis. Um, Ma- I Mark do. Lewis. Yes. What happened? Yes. Mark Lewis was going to be on a. He got picked for a National League baseball team. Yeah. A scouted in Little League, and was so on so much heroin. Oh, Jesus. That he just 
he was one of, he was top rated and he just blew his whole life away. Is he and still, I should have learned yeah. back then, yeah. you know, yeah. but, oh, I but alcohol that. was alcohol. It's, I mean, it's legal. Yeah. Oh and, yeah. Yeah. You know, and that's the big problem with alcohol. It's legal. It's around every corner, at least here in California. You can't go in two blocks no. and not see a liquor store. Alcohol and heroin will drop you dead. Yep. Let me ask you this now. And I remember Mark Lewis. He had a fastball that scared the hell out of oh all of us. <laughs> it ripped my hand off every time I tried to catch oh it. Oh, my God. Uh, when did you finally realize, and this is my favorite step, of course, my favorite step, we admitted we were powerless over alcohol, that our lives had become unmanageable. unmanageable. When did you realize you were 100% you wanted to surrender? Probably a year ago, waking up in the hospital. Yeah. Um, I had worked my ass off all my life to to buy my Corvette. Drove, flew to Idaho a couple of years ago during COVID. Bought this uh, 18, 2018 C6 Corvette. Um, drove it back to Vegas. Lost fifteen hundred dollars in Vegas, but didn't give a rat's ass because I'm driving home to San Diego in a Corvette. God would never would never want to drive drunk with it, and I always got a ride home if I was at the bar. They would always take me home. Yeah, and my brother and I were having ins and outs, even though he lived up there, and decided to go to the bar and drink because he was coming in town to see my dad and I wanted nothing to do with him and and went to the bar and got my two morning drink because I know I could have just two and not drive. Yeah. Proceeded proceeded to stay there the whole day. And uh and don't do not remember blacked out, but do not remember getting into my car, driving two blocks up the street and crashing it into a parked car. Oh, jeez. Isn't that something? And I woke up with in the hospital with a cop at the end of the, in the hallway. Oh, wow. Thinking my life is just screwed. And luckily, that cop was just there for other reasons. Realized how lucky I am not to, uh, not to have killed anybody. Oh, right, right. Uh, I lost my car. It was totally wrecked. So, but at that point I said, something's got to change. But they wanted to throw an ankle bracelet on me and I, I had to do it for a month, but I was in denial because I thought it was just one bad day. Yeah. And I, I, I'm not an alcoholic and then I started to think about it this last, uh, you know, eight, nine months or whatever it was. And on December 1st, I just woke up after having a binge night. Yeah. Said, I got to do something. And I can't do this by myself. I've tried. And that's when I first went to a meeting. And, oh, my gosh, my life has changed 180 degrees. So let me ask you this. Are you an alcoholic? Oh, absolutely. Okay. And I'm not judging you. I'm just saying. No, I, I'm definitely an alcoholic. And, and I and I guarantee you, Dave, if you're like me, as you uh, continue on your journey, and that's what it is. Um, it's for me. It took a while, but uh, 
I can't remember even back then when I was embarrassed to say, hi, I'm Dave and I'm an alcoholic. I don't go around waving a flag that says, hey, I'm I'm Bromo, I'm Dave, I'm an alcoholic, look at me, pray for me or whatever. I'm proud of it, though. If it comes up, I uh, I, I only have one tattoo on me, Dave, and I got it done uh, last year, uh, about a year and a half ago. And uh, I wanted one, an only one, and it's the triangle with my sobriety date on it. And, of course, you got those wise guys that write it. Oh, you better not drink. You'll have to get that tattoo removed. Okay, I get it. But I look at it every single day, and I'm proud of it. I'm proud for the Absolutely. fact. Yeah, I'm proud for the fact that life when you're drinking for a while, it's great. It's just you're the life of the party, or you have all your friends, and you feel. I can relate to you a thousand percent that first drink, that glorious feeling of calm, ah, and then another one, and another one, and another one. But I'll tell you, nothing's better than whatever day you're at sober, first day or 60 days or 60 years, knowing that you're in control of your life and that you can be sober and have so many things open up in your life that you didn't have it before when you drank. Do you agree? Absolutely. I think one of the hardest things to, for me after four or five days was going, oh, God, I want to go down and get a hamburger. And then I went, wait. And just clicked on me. I can. I can get up. I can get out of this chair. I can get in the car because I'm not drunk. Yeah. And I can go down to the store. And the freedom, it just opened up to me. It's like, and some, and my whole life was based around when I would go to Vegas, I'd say, okay, do I have enough of this? Do oh, I have yeah. enough of that? Oh, yeah. And yeah. Everything, everything, was, everything was geared around the alcohol. Yeah. I was taking my kids to Disneyland when I was young. I had to make sure I had plenty in the, uh, cooler for the hotel room oh yeah you know? yeah you know and and if i ran out oh my gosh there was an emergency so you know it was the, the freedom now is just unbelievable to i can get up in the morning and just get in my car and and go where i want and do what i want and you know and i still try and keep contact with some of my friends that drink and i don't try to alienate them like they're bad people i'm the same way right same way, Dave. I'm the same way because they'll tell you, counselors or whatever, they'll tell you, hey, you got to lose your old friends. I don't agree with that in a lot of ways. I really don't. I, I agree with that for the fact that somebody may be using heroin around you and they're trying to. Right. But with alcohol, come on. I mean, with the normies who drink alcohol who don't have a problem, that's not their fault. Right. And I, I don't go really out with them, but right. I still will text them and talk to them and. And, you know, and I've had a couple people, when I post things on my uh, Facebook, yep. text me and go, I've had one girl go, Dave, I'm having a problem. Can I meet you at the meeting? Yeah. And sadly, she didn't show up. Yeah. But I didn't get back on the phone going, where are you? You need to be here, blah, blah. You know, she's got to make those decisions. I was just going to ask you, why don't you do that? Because you know out of experience, you, you can't force someone to go. Nope. You've learned that yourself, haven't you? Yep. You have, you have to be ready. And I've had people tell me, don't you think you're drinking a little too much? And I said, no, I go every two or three days <laughs> and I don't have a drink. I'm not, oh, yeah. I'm not rock bottom like a lot of these other people. Oh yeah. So, yeah. So I, I'm just fine, but you know, I just had to finally, you know, the light bulb went off and no, I'm not just fine. 
Let's talk about how glorious it is when you wake up in the morning and you realize you're going to a place where you're at home instantly. Whether it's your first time, whether you go every single day, I'm talking about your meeting place. It's the greatest feeling when you go into a meeting, no matter who's there, if you see a newcomer, you're at home. Absolutely, without a doubt. Unbelievable. Um, I can't tell you. I, I was young, and I went skiing for the first time. And that's the first time in my life that and I wasn't drunk. And I went on that slope, and I went all the way from the top to the bottom to the mountain. And I thought, wow, I just experienced my first natural high. <laughs> and I can totally relate to going to my first meeting the same way. It yeah. was like, and I only had to do two meetings a week now in my sobriety for, and I didn't have to do AA. I had, I could, the, the court allowed me to do anything I wanted as far as it was what they'd call a self-help meeting. Right. And I wasn't sure I wanted to do AA because I wasn't sure I wanted to stop, but, um, but I knew I needed to. And I'll tell you, they have these little, the state of California throws these on these little programs. I have to do a you know, once a week thing, and they mean nothing. It's just a bunch of people talking about their lives. Sure. And half of them have quit, and some of them haven't. But I've gone into this AA, and it's about real people, you know, and it's about real people who've been in the dump, that have been homeless, that live in halfway houses. And I've heard people from one day being in there crying, coming in and crying. Yeah. And just yesterday I went in there, a guy 13 years he was just getting his six-month chip, and I was like, yeah. why six months? Well, he relapsed after 13 years. Yeah. So I've realized it's like it, 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 there is no tomorrow. I mean, it's today, and you yeah. know you've got to live for today, and you, you don't know what's going to trigger you tomorrow, so you just got to be stronger each day. And I'll bet you you can, re- you can relate to this. doesn't matter uh, how many years of sobriety or minutes or months but I've heard, and I've read in the book, where someone has gone 20-something years, solid, solid, solid sobriety. And out of nowhere, there's a crazy trigger. They say, yep. you know what? You know what? That sure looks good. Or you know what? Maybe they've had a really bad day or very something traumatic happened to them. They fall for a second. They take that first drink. Literally, I don't know how many minutes, hours days later they're right back right back to where they were 20 years ago absolutely absolutely it's the most baffling insane scary dangerous disease there is and it's out there and um what you're doing now dave for yourself and for others i i hope you share a lot when you go in because you sound like a kind of guy that is proud to be where you're at right now and you should be I hope you, you know, share. Absolutely. And if I can just save one person, that's all I need to, if I can just save one person and have them reach out to me and say they need help, then that to me makes it worthwhile. This is why, and this is why I do this podcast. I could care less for uh, if anybody uh, comes up to me and pats me on my back or anything like that. I don't do it for a vain reason at all. And you know, I think you know me pretty well. I do this because of anyone who may be on the fence. I think the greatest compliment that I ever receive nowadays 
back in the old days when I was on the radio in San Diego and I thought I was a big shot, yeah, the greatest compliment would be someone come up to me and going, Bromo, you were funny. I heard that bit on the radio. You're a funny guy. Well, I'll tell you what blows that over is now blows that away is now when I get someone that reaches out to me and says, I'm still sober because I heard you speak at the Freedom Ranch five years ago. Man, I'll tell you, that's the greatest compliment of all. Sure. Yep. And that's what you have going on for you, Dave, right now. You have that power over this podcast. And when you go to your meetings, you have that power with the newcomer or anybody that wants that life that you have. Isn't that a terrific deal? Absolutely. And, you know, I, I, there'll be somebody, we had one from the bar, a a, a, a bartender came in like 20 days ago, just crying. And I knew her from the bar and I, I just, you know, I gave her a big hug, said it's going to be all right, and, you know, she's still there. Yeah. And, uh, you know, and, you know, people hurt inside, and people don't, people people need some some place to get it off their chest, and I've just found AA. I'm not totally into the big book yet. No. Maybe I will be. Yeah. But you know what? I'm taking it at my pace. I'm, I was religious when I grew up, but not really, but... I've gotten kind of back into a. There's a God. It's inside me. But, yeah. But I, I don't have to be all for the program. No. I just need to be there every day. And, I love that. And I got to be there for me. I love that, and it's a great attitude because when I um, was going through rehab, they told us you need a higher power, whether that's a doorknob or whatever, you know. And, right. And, and it's not forced on anybody, and also. Uh, taking the steps is a very slow, for me, was a very slow, methodical uh, yeah. deal because I wanted to do it right. And some people do it as quick as possible, and I get it. Also, with a sponsor, Dave, some people will tell you, you need a sponsor right away. What's the matter with you? Well, that needs to come in time. You need to be around someone when, so comfortable. When you're ready. When you're yeah. ready. So what would you say again? 68 days. I saw your post. It's marvelous. I'm proud of you. I reached out out of out of a whim because uh, I'm trying to make my guests different in what how long they've been sober or you know or or I had someone uh, on with me yesterday. She works with sober women, and I wanted to get that side of it. So I appreciate your take and your journey. It's pretty fabulous, isn't it? Well, anytime, buddy. Yes, it is. And uh, like I said, I'm I'm looking not forward to 90 days i'm looking forward to tomorrow yeah and you know and that's what it is it's one day at a time and and um like i said i'm doing it my way and and um if people don't like the way i'm doing it or not doing it right the heck with them i mean you know <laughs> whatever keeps you sober whatever keeps me sober do they do they still have Longhorn that Longhorn bar or Longhorn restaurant yes, oh do. my god yep. the greatest hamburgers on the planet yep Yep, they are. Oh, we used to go in there as a kid, and uh, we'd listen to the Padre game on the way over there. And yep. uh, uh, number eleven yeah, Enzo, remember, remember number eleven Enzo Hernandez. Oh, yeah. Yeah, number eleven, <laughs> well, Big Louie Kelcher. That's where he used to go after Charger. Games. Oh, really? Oh my God! Yeah, he'd, he'd go there right after Charger games and have his big couple of beers after Charger games. But well, uh, in case yeah. you haven't, in case you haven't figured out by now, this is David Terwilliger. This is a guy that I went and played little league with. Uh, this is an Allied Gardens uh, in San Diego. That's where I grew up. <clears throat> My dad was a coach. <clears throat> um, and we never met, I don't believe. 
even when as the years went by. But uh, but here's the thing: we both know each other now because of our disease, and you are on the right path, my friend. And I'll tell you what: your journey is going to. Let me ask you this, and tell everybody real quick, and then we'll we'll finish this up. How great is your journey, and how many rewards come to sobriety? A ton, right? A ton. A yes. ton. And it's, it's, it's a great journey in that every day I, I get to wake up, feel alive, and I get to go to my meetings, and I get to meet new people every day, and I have something in common with them. And... And it's that disease that you talked about. Yeah. And it's something that we can hit it right off and start talking about if we need to, or we just know that we're both there for the same reason. Absolutely. Guess what? You're doing it your way. Yep. Hang on with me real quick, buddy. Thank you, Dave, so much. I appreciate it. It's another reason why I have this podcast, you know. There's another great guest right there. Once again, there is a way out for anyone. It, uh, who is on the fence, who thinks they may drink too much, have a family member, or a friend, or anybody who thinks, yeah, I may be an alcoholic. Have them listen to this. Thank you for listening. There is a way out. <laughs>